2: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our series of That One Play. And we're looking back at one it's good play for the Ravens. Didn't have a great outcome in the end for the Ravens, but that's what we do in this show. A lot of it is, is some good plays, bad outcomes. We're looking back at the 2014 AFC Divisional Game and an interception by Daryl Smith that should have done a lot more for the Ravens towards winning that game. Here to talk to me about it is Doug Shanahan. Doug, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good, Ken. Glad to be here. I, we're thrilled to have you, Doug. And, and just in our production meeting, I could, I, could, you you have a tremendous, not only recollection of this play, but of the season and the lead up to this. So I want to let you kind of handle this. T- take us through that 2014 season and where the Ravens were coming into this playoff game at,
3: at uh, New England. Okay, so this is Joe Flacco on his white horse game. He is rolling, absolutely rolling. Uh, we know about 2012, um, but the previous week, he goes up to Pittsburgh and crosses another quarterback off of his playoff list, beating Roethlisberger with two touchdowns, no interceptions. And then he comes back to his favorite place to play football, which is uh, Foxborough against Brady. And uh, through the third quarter, he would have four touchdown passes. He's on a string, 17 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Mm-hmm. By the way, we also have Gary Kubiak, our offensive coordinator. And by the way, we have a little running back named Justin Forsett, who for the season averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Um, Remarkable football team. And uh, for for Flacco, I know a a lot of uh, the Flacco fans go back to 2012, but really go back to 2014, go watch the game, and watch Flacco play in this game. He is a maestro. And this, like Ken said... We didn't get the outcome we wanted. This should have been the moment where the Ravens were like two ships crossing in the night. We were going to elevate beyond Tom Brady and Tom Brady was going to sink beneath us. It didn't happen. <laughs> we, know, we know, we know why. Yeah. They, so this was the Ravens. They'd already
2: won two out of three at Foxborough. They were literally the only team that I think Patriots fans had concerns about coming to Foxborough and beating them. And, and they, mm-hmm. you know, the, Patriots are big favorite in this game. I don't remember by exactly how much might've been about seven uh, might've been a little bit more, but anyway, the, the uh, other, uh, they literally feared no one else. I think at the time the previous week, the Ravens had really exercised an enormous demon, not just for, you know, getting rid of the Steelers in the playoffs, which was the first time they'd done that, but they hadn't beaten Pittsburgh in the playoffs in forever and i can say personally i was at two losing game 7s of the world series to the pirates in the 70s and 71 and 79 the uh, you know they'd lost all the playoff games that had been played against the steelers in 01 08 10 and that's it just those just those three right and then they finally won in 14 got over the hump if you're an old baltimore clippers fan they had a lot of trouble with it with pittsburgh back in the 1970s so you, you, it really just was a uh, a, a one-sided city-to-city rivalry that had never worked out, and and, and to get over that hump. It felt like, you know, going to New England was a familiar stomping grounds. We're in four playoff games now. The Ravens have destroyed the Patriots twice, and they've lost two close games. As unfortunately, this would be one of. Them. Absolutely. So take take us through where are we in the game at this point when Daryl Smith makes his big play?
3: Okay, we open up with a fourteen nothing lead in the first quarter. First drive, Flacco gets a touchdown to Kamar Aiken. Uh, a little bit later in the quarter, he throws a touchdown pass to Steve Smith, who roasts Darrell Revis. It's, mm-hmm. I think Revis only gave up two touchdown passes that entire season. Um, but the Patriots were resilient, and they came back, tied it in the second quarter. There's about two minutes left. We're punting. Uh, we punt the ball to New England, and Brady gets the ball, uh, moves it to, like, the 40-yard line. There's about a minute 15 left. Uh, They get a five-yard false start penalty, but um, on first and 15, he drops back. He's looking for Gronkowski. He's got ample time and space, plenty of time to throw. Dumerville is not doing much this day, unlike what he did the previous week. Mm -hmm. But the throw is a line drive rope over the middle, and he doesn't see Daryl Smith, and it's an easy I mean, this is easy interception. um, And we've seen Brett Favre throw dumber, dumb interceptions in playoff games. But this is a foolish play for Tom Brady. And he immediately grabs his helmet in disgust. uh, And then when he goes to the sideline, instead of screaming at his offensive lineman, which he normally would do, (laughs) he sits sits on the bench and puts his hands uh, in his head and stares at the ground uh, in shock. And, of course, Joe Flacco takes the ball, uh, moves the ball downfield, and he throws out to Steve Smith, who gets a pass interference on um, Darrell Revis. This is the only <laughs> pass interference on Darrell Revis all year. It's, it's just magic. And then in the red zone, we find owen daniels for a touchdown under under the crossbar very reminiscent of the touchdown passes to anquan bolden in 2012. owen daniels was very special we did not not have a lot of luck with dallas clark when he was here in the previous Mm -hmm. years but owen daniels was was one of i got it here ten receivers flacco through two in the first half of that football game steve smith tory smith kamar aiken marlon brown Michael Campanaro, who caught four balls in this game and only had 13 catches in his first three years. Uh, uh, Fitzgerald uh, Toussaint, Kyle Juszczyk, Justin Forsett, Crockett Gilmore, and Owen Daniels. Interesting. I
2: I do not remember this minus seven to, to Toussaint. I'd have to go back and take a look at it, but I, I just don't remember that play. It's it's a little bit weird, but uh, but yeah, that's a, uh, a they, Daniels was the primary receiver that day with four of eleven caught. Uh, Marlon Brown is another name from Ravens history that uh, that I think a lot of people have forgotten, but he really helped. He had some big catches for the Ravens. That I guess one I really remember is in the back of the end zone against Minnesota to win that five touchdowns last two minutes game. But uh, Daryl Smith, another, I wanted to, to, to point this out here. He's definitely a linebacker who could close the window um, on a passing lane very effectively. And I don't remember, actually, I didn't go back to watch, whether this was a coming from the same direction as the receiver and he just cut underneath the ball, or did he come from the other direction and was closing the window to cut underneath the ball? Do you recall?
3: He came from underneath. He he, okay, he, that's it terrible. was it was almost a st- it was almost a straight drop, and that's what made it. it he wasn't even near the receiver because uh, he Brady should have feathered it over top of him. To, he was mm-hmm. he was targeting uh, Gronk, um, who was would have been in coverage against Melvin, who they had on Gronk in that particular instance, which would have been a bad Rashawn Melvin. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and Daryl Smith was really kind of cool about him. Um, The previous year, we signed him the same day that the Ravens uh, celebrated the uh, 2012 championship at at Washington with the president. So a lot of people didn't even realize, it was June 5th, it was an after June signing. So a lot of fans didn't even pay attention to it. He Mm -hmm. wore number 52 in Jacksonville Mm -hmm. and he would be the heir apparent to Ray. And then the, the Ravens had to make a decision can they bring him back? And in 2014, they offered him a two-year deal right before drafting C.J. Mosley. So they had Mosley and Smith in the middle of this defense.
2: Yeah, that, that, was, that was a hell of a combination and no problem with with uh, Daryl being the weak side linebacker in, in that group. It, tremendous instincts. And you know the Ravens have not had a whole lot of that at inside linebacker since Mosley left is a guy who really understands what's going on behind him between level two and three. If you've listened to this show even once, you probably heard me say that in some form or another, but, but with Daryl Smith and Mosley on the same team, they really had something. They had good, you know, they had a great pass rush in 2014 that they, they could have taken them all the way. I think, uh, they did have a problem at cornerback. And that was one of the things that showed up at, at the rest of this game.
3: Yes. Uh, well, my, Melvin had 11 tackles in the game, which was <laughs> too much, too many tackles for a cornerback. Um, but, uh, the, uh, The pass rush um, was not getting to the edge in this game. And Brady, to his credit, he had lost an offensive lineman and he was stepping up. And this is where I was feeling and watching the game. I was very disappointed. Timmy Jernigan had a sack. But I was very disappointed that Haloti Nada could not exert more pressure in the interior line to prevent Brady from stepping up and making all those passes in the fourth quarter against us in this game.
2: Yeah, the other guy who had a sack in this game, Pernell McPhee, and I don't remember if it was a half or a full, but he had a sack involvement. Um, he really drove the Ravens' pass rush in this season. They had 56 sacks, the second most they've ever had behind the 2006 season, which had 60. Uh, mm-hmm. But Pernell McPhee was the man. And if you watch him getting done, The whole season, you realize just how easy, not easy a job of it, because it's never really easy, but how Suggs and Dumerville are able to fan out alternately and sometimes on the same play on the outside, getting a a nice one-on-one matchup against a tackle uh, to, to try and get to the quarterback. The Ravens didn't really have to blitz a lot. They still did from time to time, but Pease was more uh, conservative about that, and he should have been because he had McPhee, and dropping a seven to coverage when one of your guys is Rashawn Melvin is, is not a bad idea. Melvin, by the way, I think he was still playing in the NFL this last year. He actually yes. came in in 2014 for the Ravens and had an incredible start. His first game, I think he made the tackle on four of his first five plays, or he had a, he had a a he might have had a pass defense or a tackle on four or five plays. And they were all, you know, downhill, short tackles, forced incompletions, all that sort of thing on the on the plays he was having or run plays that they were. Um, and, and he actually played very well for the Ravens that season. Uh, and I, in a lot of ways, that's – I don't know if it's been that play because it's, you, you can't play poorly for a long, extended period of time and still stay in the NFL. But Rashawn Melvin certainly made a name and a place for himself in the NFL off his time with the Ravens, even though in this critical game he, he certainly didn't play his best.
3: Well, either did Darrell Revis, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, so in the next week, we're st- the story's still not done. Oh, yes. or the game's so, still yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, in the second half, we add a, a fourth touchdown to Forsett, and it's 28-14, to 14, but um, there's not much to say after that. We are out of defensive backs, and we're not getting pressure. We're not getting outside pressure with Doomerville, who had a big game the previous week against Big Ben or Suggs or like I said Haloti Nada pressuring the middle and Brady just ate us up but this is in watching this on television this was this was uh the Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels this was like the big game of that weekend and he was just really talking about how wow it's amazing how one play can change the momentum of a game and I thought that would be good for your series that one play it didn't finish Um, with a win for the Ravens, but that one play seemed to indicate that, is Brady going to win another Super Bowl? Because he, 2004, was his third. It had been 10 years. Two bitter Super Bowl defeats to Eli Manning in there. In the AFC, he's got three rings. Big Ben's got two. Uh, Peyton's got one. Flacco's got one. And it it could very well be Flacco could be getting his second ring in another couple quarters and we have gary kubiak as our brilliant offensive coordinator all this of course uh doesn't doesn't work out and in the very next week after we lose this game it's deflate gate that's the colts at new england the deflate gate so if the ravens hold on to win this game there's no deflate gate
2: that yes new england's out of the playoffs and that would have been wonderful everybody been happy there's no suspension of tom brady uh in 2015 of course that didn't help the ravens at all because the ravens had an injury marred season that year what was interesting about the um deflate gate thing and i'm really glad that the nfl was able to track it down and investigate it the way they did because it, it really needed to be done they um would probably would never have been found if there wasn't an interception late in the first half, very similar to this Daryl Smith interception. I think it was also a linebacker, but I don't remember who it was. Um, He took took the ball to the sideline with him, you know, and it's, it's common, you know, you you take the ball to the sideline because you want to save it. Of course, each team provides its own balls to the quarterback and they can, they can pressurize them within a certain limit. Well, Belichick had, figured out how to game the system a little bit by putting the balls probably in the dryer or another heating device so that he would take the balls always late to the officials to be tested for the their psi rating and uh because when when the when the ball is heated it will read as being more pressurized i i don't know understand the physics of it completely but i i are Physics chemistry, whichever it is, uh, I, don't, I don't understand. But anyway, he, he could always guarantee he'd get a very immediate reading right out of the dryer if he would take the balls to them and uh, hand them to them at the last second. Well, Brady still apparently wasn't satisfied with the, um, by the way, the balls would then deflate naturally from that point to a lower PSI during the game. So they get to, that's the point i missed there that they they would get uh that, well anyway brady still wasn't happy with the you know throwing the kind of ball they wouldn't want it even more deflated deflated ball that it could use and then that's when the jankowski or whoever the guy was you know was using the needle in the bathroom trick at the last moment to deflate them even more and then when they found out all that and they, they went on his phone and everything to to get that the, the, the couple of patriots employees that were involved then a lot of stuff came out about how Brady given the memorabilia in exchange for, for, you know, doing some uh, deflating of the balls and whatnot. So quite a story there at the time uh, in, in terms of what it was, but uh, uh, boy,
3: ugly, ugly piece of Brady history and a very well-earned suspension there. There's a, a lot of f- interesting little snippets about this game. This is the game where uh, Harbaugh got uh Uh, Mm 15-yard on like because he was furious about the refs uh, giving New England a first down uh, when they were late reporting their eligible receivers Uh, and this really helped them because they had lost an offensive lineman anyway so they were going to be swapping guys every play and then one one particular play I watched the running back I believe Bolden run to the Z wide receiver position and as an ineligible and wave his arms at the snap of a ball. <laughs> and if you're a Raven defender, you're thinking, uh, why is he waving his arms if he's ineligible? It's
2: the, the, the part I object to is not that because if he lined up within one of the first five and he's not, uh, you know, the front five that he centered, uh, then, then that's fine. He's, he's covered. He's, he's not eligible. The Ravens got to be able to pick that up. The problem was that they had, I think, it was Mano Malialu or I, I, I don't or who, who i Mana getting I think okay, that's, that's the guy. Yeah. There's another one. That's, that's like a hoo-hoo, but I, but I might, I might be mistaken. Anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to do this on air here right now and, and, and try and look My, it up. Yeah. But.
3: It's Michael who, uh, yeah. Michael H. <laughs> Michael H.
2: Anyway, Michael H was on and off eligible and ineligible on a by play basis. And Harbaugh's argument was that the Ravens should be allowed to substitute defensively. If, they have an exchange of the eligible receiver. So they they a, you know, they should be able to stop the play. Well, the, Raven, the, the the Patriots wanted to run no huddle and do that. And there's no doubt about it. They talked to the officials before the game, and the officials made a ruling on it then. And in any case, the rule was subsequently changed in that offseason to to not allow for that kind of uh, chicanery. Uh, bad it, it's it wasn't a bad look for the Patriots. I think that's an intelligent use of the rules, but boy, a team that's willing to do that deserves every bit of punishment for deflate gate at the same time. I would agree with that. All right, Doug, just a, a absolute pleasure having you on. Obviously we're living that game is not always the most pleasant experience for us Ravens fans, but, but, a you know, a game that the Ravens certainly had a chance to take it to new England. Once again, tell folks where they can talk football with you online.
3: Um, I'm on uh, YouTube. I have a channel shrimp trawler channel, and I do stratomatic, uh, baseball games, uh, from the 1970s from 69 to 1984. Mm-hmm. A very good era for the Orioles uh, from Mike Cuellar to Mike Flanagan from 69 to 84, you could say. And I do recreations uh, four-year carryover league. You can find those games on YouTube under shrimp trawler.
2: It's pretty cool. Two Cy Youngs in 69 and 79 there. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I grew up playing stri- not Stratomatic Baseball, Sports Illustrated Baseball in the in for the 1970, I don't know if you've ever seen the game, but for for the, the nineteen seventy one game I uh, is the one I had as a kid and we must have played close to a thousand games of that in terms of uh of of what we did over the years. But it's a lot of fun and uh uh I really like the like the mechanic of the game. And later on I got into Stratomatic and really enjoyed that too. But I'm gonna give your channel a try because that sounds like a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, you mentioned Ron Hunt, a baseball player who got hit by pitches <laughs> on one of your uh podcasts and I said, yeah. you know what? Not a lot of people know about Ron Hunt unless you play a, a stats based game. I'm, I'm yeah. sure Ken is uh, familiar, uh, got familiar that way.
2: Yeah, the '71 Expo, certainly. That was that was one of their big strengths is is Ron Hunt getting hit by the pitch. <laughs> I, again, thanks for coming on. Other folks who would like to do this, uh, give me a. Uh, it's easiest if you, if you DM me on Twitter. Uh, I'll get back to you very quickly. Uh, I hopefully we'll have the thing scheduled and I'll be with you within about a week in terms of, uh, of uh, total turnaround time. We do have a big stack of these waiting to uh, be uh, aired. And I apologize for for that taking a long time. But on the other hand, I think this content is just great. And it goes great really any time of year. So if you're looking for your Raven's fix, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll tell people about this pot. Doug, thanks
3: again for coming on. Thanks again, Ken. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.